All right, this is the blueprint of how Penn State can beat the Michigan Wolverines. It's definitely doable, but they're going to have to follow a strict game plan if they want to pull this off. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions, joined by special guest Maddie Fresh for today's show. And today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You got to download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Help out the channel, become an everydayer, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Comment down below. The one thing that Penn State needs to do to beat the Michigan Wolverines uh, for housekeeping purposes, this is still a five and a half point spread. I saw some analytics projections that have Michigan typically beating Penn State about 27 to 17, give or take. But FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On, says it's a five and a half point spread with a total set at about 44 and a half. Matt, you and I are going to discuss the offense, what the offense needs to do, because that's going to be, that was the problem that, Plagued them against Ohio State. That was the reason they lost that game because the defense looked elite. But this is a different Michigan team, different from what Ohio State likes to do. They don't have a Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's besides the point. And then just other factors. That's what we'll finish up with that last minute thought. Uh, but out of the gate, starting with the offense, but just in general, how can Penn State beat this Michigan team? What is that one thing? Well, Zach, first off, Thanks for having me on, as always. Always love hopping on Locked On, Nittany Lions, my favorite Penn State podcast. Um, you. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you texted me and and we were kind of bouncing some ideas off each other. Honestly, I think probably the most effective way for Penn State to beat Michigan would be to come up with some sort of excuse to delay this game into a 7.30 kickoff, right? And, and obviously there's multiple ways that this can happen, right? Yeah. Penn State's been on the other end of this sort of delay. So what can we do, right? I mean, obviously the weather looks good, so you're probably not going to get a snow or rain delay. Mm -hmm. So maybe some sort of power outage, right? Without power, you can't run replay. You don't have any function in the stadium. Well, Harbaugh's been in those power outages right. before. See, this is certainly 0-1 Jim Harbaugh all-time in a power outage. It happened to be in Super Bowl forty-seven. So, yeah, I think Penn State needs to take some measures to uh, knock the power out, and then all of a sudden around maybe 5 o'clock Eastern, it'll come back on. We'll get warm-ups going again. Everybody's going to be outside tailgating anyway. Fans won't have a problem with that. And, uh, yeah, you know, maybe provide some Domino's pizza to Michigan, you know, just in case they, they're hungry, they need a dinner or something like Penn State got that treatment on, a, on an opposing Big Ten uh, game back in 2017. Mm -hmm. But that, that's really my thing, right? If you can find a way to make this a uh, primetime game, Penn State might have a better shot. <laughs> I mean, don't you get – I mean, aren't you jazzed up for the stripe out game, Matt? I mean, this. I almost wish we could have done like an unofficial whiteout. Like, if we could have got something, uh, some petition going, just been like, listen, we know they're doing this for corporate reasons. Uh, I, I remember back in 2016 when we were still in school, <laughs> James mm -hmm. Franklin got in trouble for calling for a second whiteout against Iowa yeah. because your your corporate sponsor wasn't happy. But yeah, I mean, my section is white. Uh, oh, good. So I'll be rocking the 
official we run the t shirt yep <laughs> and um, I- i'm pumped up whether it's noon or 7 30 but that that feeds into the narrative it's all i'm hearing all week oh if this was a whiteout if this was a whiteout penn state was a lock i don't know maybe james franklin's right maybe his guys uh would would be better playing at noon i don't know we'll see we'll, we'll see so atmosphere is a big thing let's discuss that more in the final segment the offense has been lackluster. Okay, that's great. You can put up a, a 50 bomb on Maryland. You can shut out. Now, the defense shut out the Iowa Hawkeyes, but Penn State still cruised to a 30 points. Did the same thing against Illinois, right? The the offense has done enough to make Penn State a relevant top 10 team. However, that's not going to get you into the college football playoff. I'm looking at this game, and I'm comparing and contrasting. Okay, Michigan's defense is right now analytically the best in the country. That, that's just the fact of the matter. They have guys everywhere. I think of the matchup between Will Johnson and Keandre Lambert-Smith that comes to mind. So I'm focusing in on two key players for Penn State's offense to be able to do something because all the score projections, or at least the people who are trying to predict this game, have Penn State at about 13 to 17 points. If Penn State is going to win, they are going to have, because I tried to do the, the math. Can they score 10? Yeah, I, I would like to think so. Can they score 20? That's when I'm like, okay, this is this is where it's a toss-up. And then I, but So looking at the offense, it's not about Drew Aller. Yes, Drew Aller's the quarterback and is supposed to take Penn State to the promised land here that Sean Clifford could never do. But the two players that I'm keying in on, since Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to be manned up by Will Johnson, who is better from a talent standpoint, K- KLS will win his battles. But Will Johnson is probably going to win more of them. I'm just being honest. So that means we're going back to Dante Cephas, who had two touchdowns. Drew Aller trusts him in the red zone. But Cephas is not a possession receiver, even though they used him that way. They got to use him over the top to stretch the field. He's a speedster. That's how he played at Kent State. And my second player, it's not a tight end, the offensive line. I'm going back to basics. It's Nicholas Singleton. Nicholas Singleton is your best athlete on offense. And for some reason, he just can't get it going. That's where it's on the coaches at this point. Because I understand that maybe the vision's not there. Maybe it's a confidence issue because he hasn't broken that big play just yet offensively. We saw it in the kick return against Maryland. But Matt, I look at Singleton. Just get him in space. Have him motion. Line him up as a wide receiver. And then decoy and bring him back into the formation. Run some screen plays. He's your best athlete offensively. And I don't know why you can't get creative and, and motion him out and just do things to get him into space because that's where he's best. Not between the tackles, outside of the numbers. That's where he's best. Yeah, all great points, great analysis, and, and that's what we're here for. Um, when, when I was thinking about this one, and, and I can sit here and I can be, you know, armchair Mike Yersich all I want, mm-hmm. right? That's and fine. I know, like I said, I know that's that's why we're here, and that's ultimately what people want to hear. And listen, all the fundamentals in this game are going to be important, right? You got to start fast. You got to draw penalties against, I think, Michigan's the least penalized team in the country. You got to run the ball, stop the run. You got to be probably around 50% on third down or better. You got to have ideas on third and short, on fourth and short. You got to have pass protection. All the fundamentals, right? But – I'm just kind of lost when I'm talking about deeper analysis with this game compared to like a Maryland or an Indiana or a Northwestern, because the facts are 
if you are looking at this on paper, there is no advantage, right? If the, the model that I follow for, for most of my college football gambling, which has um, been pretty solid this year, yeah. you know, ha- has Michigan more at about a seven and a half to an eight point favorite. Mm-hmm. Now, devil's advocate tells you overinflated due to competition. I think they've only yeah. played maybe one or two teams inside the top 100 of college mm-hmm. football, right? One of those being Rutgers, one of those being Minnesota. Maybe another one is it's kind of fringe Nebraska. Yeah. But a lot of teams that are kind of down in the 90s, 100, 110 range uh, in college football with even their non-conference schedule. So obviously those metrics are going to be a little overrated. Um, yeah. I think it starts for the Penn State offense, and I'll ask you, Zach, what yep. the game plan will be on fourth and short, because we will see it, and we'll see it a lot. And James Franklin made a comment in his press conference about being okay with punting, right, and having such a good defense that – and we've seen it a few times where actually a punt, it happened in the Ohio State game, turns in to your yardage, right, uh, a ball – uh, Karam off the back and, and, and into Tyler Elson's hands that set Penn state up with mm-hmm. a short field in the Ohio state game. And we've seen it other times. It happened a few other times this year. So not being afraid to punt. I get that. I'm just curious where you're at with the balance, because we saw Franklin last week. I love that they went to him on the sideline. He kind of pulled his headset off and said fourth and three. And he got the nod from analytics, right? And he decided to punt. Later on, there was a, a fourth and two. He decided to go. So it kind of tells mm-hmm. you, depending on if, if, if he thinks they're in four-down territory, two and inside, he feels comfortable, three and outside. Is that going to change against a Michigan defense? Do you feel comfortable on fourth and two? Uh, where do you need to be at in the field, right? Do you need to be between the 40s? Like, So I, I'm curious where you're at. Do, do you side with just situational football there, or do you want to be super aggressive Lane Kiffin style in this game, or or are you okay with punting and score as the game goes on? I'm glad you made that point. I I do not want to give Michigan short fields whatsoever because we'll talk about this with the offense, but with Michigan's offense, but going for it on your side of the field is not in Penn State's card. This is a field position battle. James Franklin has already admitted that he expects this game to be a low-scoring game. If you listen closely to his press conference, that it's going to come down to maybe four or five plays. And in that case, because I am anticipating a 20-17 to type of score. So there's no reason for them to get aggressive at their own 40-yard line when they can punt the football and try to make Michigan drive the length of the field. Because for what it's worth, Riley Thompson's been really good. He's been really good. I'm glad they got him out of the portal. Penn State needs to play field position. So, no, I, even with the T, if you're at like out, if you're at the Michigan, let's say 35, okay, it's supposed to be in the 40s. Maybe the wind will be blowing a little bit. Then, in that case, if it's fourth and two, you can run the T formation because more often than not, it's been successful. I give it a try even against Michigan's front seven. But if you're going to say, well, at midfield, it's fourth and two, even fourth and one, like it has to be almost a centimeter for Penn State to take that kind of gamble because they need to sustain drives. If Penn State's defense wants to play elite in this game, they're, they're going to need to be able to be rested. 
Yeah, Hunter Norzad studying that Jason Kelsey film this week, right? We need the team. We need a lot of the team in the short yardage situation because there's just so many dynamic plays that you can make out of it. And I love that Franklin got some reps for even the second string T formation. I tweeted out yep. late in that game against Maryland. Look at this. We, we even got the second string T in. Yep. That's huge. I haven't seen that yet this season with some different personnel. Um, doesn't it seem like Khalil Dinkins is open on every route he runs, right? Like that could be a, a, an interesting wrinkle. He gets forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's looking for Dinkins out there. And I've seen it a couple times. Yersich scheme him open and, and Aller just have to find him, right? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Those short yardage situations will be important. Like I said, uh, I, I, you can't get worse than one for 16 on third mm-hmm. down like Penn State was against Ohio State. Last two games, I think against Indiana, they were a little below 50%, I think around seven for 18, which was not a good day offensively for the first 55 minutes of that game. And then if you look at the Maryland game, I believe they were right around 50%, um, which, which, which could be better. But, I mean, obviously against Michigan's defense, I think I'd probably be okay if Penn State had – um, let's say 15 cracks at third down, if they could get six or seven of those, uh, you know, that would be a winning formula. And you're right about Riley Thompson, man. He's got to step up and he, and he's looked good. You know, he's, he's, he's continuing good. this tradition of, of solid punting at Penn state. Alex Falcons has really been coming on. And he's a guy that you trust now if Penn state needs a kick to win this game. I mean, he's a guy who, um, was overlooked at the beginning of the season was not even supposed to win this job. And uh, the cards fall his way, and all of a sudden he he takes a, a massive opportunity here. He was uh, perfect again last week, so yeah, I, I think um, you know with with kickoffs not being as important as they they once were in college football. I mean, obviously Nick Singleton had a big return. I hope they stay aggressive there, but I know we're talking a lot about special teams, and it's because they'll they'll be important. Um, it, it's a field position battle because neither offense is going to be able to get it going in this kind of game. So let's pivot and talk about how Penn State's defense is going to have to set up the offense. Because right now, leading the country, we'll segue with this. In the country, Penn State has, the offense has started 27% of its drives in opponent's territory. That's number one in the country. And that's uh, 27%. That's not that much. It's just over a quarter. That, that is a lot. We'll continue with that idea in just a moment, but let's hear from one of our great sponsors on today's episode, and that is FanDuel, America's number one sports book, the official sports book of Locked On. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team, all they got to do is win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And right now, Penn State is a a five-and-a-half-point underdog to the Michigan Wolverines at home. Some analytics have this being uh, 8+, but FanDuel says five-and-a-half with a total set at 44-and-a-half. So if you like those lines, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Keep up with the football season, both college and NFL. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and a locked on the podcast network amps up college football coverage every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern time with locked on college football kickoff live. You can stream it live across all the locked on college YouTube channels, including locked on Nittany lines. So they'll preview the biggest games. Of course, Penn state, Michigan's going to be one of them talking about that one. The other conference rivalries, college football playoff implications as the newest rankings are out. Now, nobody in the top four moved. No surprise. 
Locked On College Football Kickoff Live discusses all of it, 11 a.m. Eastern time across all the Locked On College YouTube channels. Penn State's defense is the reason that the Nittany Lions are at this point because the offense hasn't really held up its other end of the bargain. I mean, that was an ugly one against Ohio State. It, it, I hope it doesn't have to come down to them needing almost that miracle type of play. Penn State hasn't been able to beat Ohio State, and I think about this. Somebody pointed this out to me, that the only reason they beat the Buckeyes was because of that miracle play, right? Imagine if Tyler Durden commits is able to make that kick inside of 40 yards. Super reliable, right? But the kick is blocked and it's returned for a touchdown. That doesn't happen. Penn State might even be on a longer losing streak in that case. It took that miracle. That miracle play was going to happen. Then it got called back because of a Kalen King hold. The miracle play happened. And, this is, and I want to come full circle with this, Matt. The, the miracle play happened in the game last year against Michigan but they couldn't keep up with it, right? The Curtis Jacobs fumble return for a touchdown. This looks like an all-even type of game, and then Michigan blows Penn State out of the water because defensively they couldn't make the adjustments. They admitted that on tape, Michigan kept running inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, and then this is where second-half adjustments come into play. They changed to the counter, and Penn State had no answer for it. So what does Penn State do in the offseason? Penn State becomes one of the best run defenses in all of the country. Yes, analytically, they're still top five in the pass defense. But Matt, I got to be honest. Looking at some of the recent analytics, I don't know if something's wrong with Kalen King. Johnny Dixon and Daquan Hardy didn't particularly look good against Maryland. They didn't have to be ultimately tested because that game was so far out of reach and Penn State's pass rush was there. But the secondary, at least for the cornerbacks, have been a little disappointing as of late given the performances against Ohio State, Indiana, the communication problems and all the big plays that they allowed. And then Maryland was able to pick up some chunk yards. And then you look at the analytics. Yeah, they lost those battles one-on-one against the Maryland wide receivers. Michigan doesn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. I know that, but they still have some playmakers. Uh, Roman Wilson has become that guy for J.J. McCarthy. So is the, the run defense, I think, is actually going to be a mainstay here and help out Penn State's case, but I worry about J.J. McCarthy, who can extend plays, is a good quarterback, will be a first-round pick at some point. They will be able to move the football through the air if Penn State's secondary doesn't get it together. Yeah, how about J.J. McCarthy completing 75% of his passes this season now, certainly against some porous pass defenses in in those games. He will not complete 75% of his passes against his secondary. I get what you're saying. Against Indiana, you could go back to to Kalen King That's getting bad. picked on a little bit. Um, looking at right, looking at some of the blown coverages, I I don't think that any of them were King's fault. I think probably one of them. He did. Uh, I was, mean, in man to man, he was getting beat from time to yeah. time. He wasn't. He wasn't winning more of the battles than he was losing, and that's my point. Kalen King's supposed to be your new right. Joey Porter Jr. And I'm starting to lean towards the idea that maybe Kalen King isn't a first-round pick type of talent. Maybe he's not elite. He's good, but that's not going to get it done against Ohio State, clearly, and Michigan. Yeah, and you wonder if it's just a a matter of fact with him not really being targeted first six or seven weeks of the Mm -hmm. season leading up to Marvin Harrison and nobody throwing his way. It seemed like 
he wasn't able to get many pass breakups. He wasn't able to get many reps uh, with the ball in his vicinity because they just weren't going his way, which I think says a lot about him. But yeah, thinking about some of those coverage breakdowns against Indiana, I know one was on a blitz where uh, Dixon and the linebacker both blitz. That was so, uh, that was yeah. Zach Zachy Wheatley was supposed to pick up the Wheatley. Man. Yeah, Wheatley on, was one on, of them. On which, yep. He's he's an interesting one. Uh, obviously, I came into this season and um, I wasn't alone. Phil Steele also said this that Penn State had the best secondary in the country. And I came in and I was thinking about the safety group and with Jalen Reed and Wheatley and Winston mm-hmm. and Ellis. And, and you were thinking it was going to be probably Wheatley and Reed starting. Uh, Wheatley hasn't played all that much, or at least it seems from the eye test. But boy, is KJ Winston stepped up he's, and another he's great been, game from their them last guy. week. He's been their yeah. best guy in the safety spot analytically. Yep. He's been kind of like my underdog uh, dark horse of the year for this Penn state secondary, but yeah, I mean the run defense, it, you, you wish you could take that minus 49 uh, from last week where I think Maryland set an all time record low uh, in, <laughs> in college football history for rushing. You wish you could take that and like implement it to this game where you could say like, Oh, Michigan has to start 49 yards back or something. Cause it just doesn't matter when you're looking at this game. Like Penn state's run defense was incredible last year too. They still gave up half a mile on the ground to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like the narrative this year is that Michigan's more, you know, they like to throw the ball more. JJ McCarthy's coming along as a passer. Yep. I don't know. None of these nine teams that they've played. Um, Rutgers is probably the, geez, is Rutgers the best pass defense they face? Like, I, I don't know. I guess so because so, they played Purdue, yeah. Michigan state, UNLV, right? Right. And what Penn state kept doing against Ohio state and, and it, you know, Ohio State was almost equally terrible on third down in that game. Yeah. What they kept doing is they kept getting the Buckeyes to third and long. And, and then they get bailed they, out by right. Marvin Harrison Jr. They, right. They just had to resort. They just had to resort to Marvin Harrison. It works. Now, and I say it works, and then I look up and like against Rutgers in the first half, he has like one catch, and I wonder like what the hell's going on. But um, they bracketed him, they double teamed <laughs> yeah, him. They, Penn State, Penn State felt confident enough that Kalen King was going to be able to handle that assignment, and he didn't. Yeah. He right? Didn't. Yeah. So you wonder, you wonder with Michigan third and long situations. Certainly, they haven't faced any uh, yeah. much this year. Their, their goal is to get themselves into, into manageable situations. And I, I think, it, again, it goes back to if you win this toss, you defer, right? And and yeah. you let you let Mo Bamba blast in the stadium. And I know I was kind of steering the conversation in this direction. I know we're talking a lot of, of X's and O's here. I just like on both sides, whether it's trying to get in the brain of Yersich or Diaz, mm-hmm. I just keep thinking about, you know, if Penn State just does their job here, like you hear some of the comments that that Michigan has been making in the press conferences. I know one of their offensive linemen came out and said, like, I'm okay with being the villain. Yeah. It's just a corny comment. Like, isn't that almost identifying that like you did something wrong? Like, what do you mean you're okay with being the villain? Like, that's not that's not the problem here, right? Like it, it's not someone coming after you guys for you know something you did. Uh, like a penalty that like, I know that they made a huge deal in the Michigan, Ohio state a couple year, years ago where their whole offensive line came to JJ McCarthy's defense and like beat an Ohio state player up. That's the kind of thing that it's like, okay, we're the villain. Like this is not the time for you to say I'm okay with being the villain. And you know, they're embracing that. They brought Ric Flair into the building. Like what says we want to be a heel 
And it just, yeah. it sucks. Like what this program does. I, I go back to like the Quinn Nordine thing. I know some people on the stream will probably remember that Harbaugh sleeping over at his house. Yeah, he flips Nordine. And yeah, the, the Michigan, by the way, the Michigan kickers have been much better since Nordine was there. I know he missed an extra point against Penn state in his career. And that was, that was crazy. But yeah, just going back to, you know, the sign stealing and, and, and the, you know, some of the questionable things that Jim Harbaugh's done and the week scheduling it, it does set up for, you know, Penn state to kind of be America's team on Saturday. And I really do wonder Zach, and, and I, I've decided it is because I'm, I'm trying to give myself reason to believe that Penn state will win this game. I think you've seen the Genesis of the downfall of the Michigan Wolverines with this latest news. I think they'll finish the season 10 and two. And I think that uh, Jim Harbaugh will be off to the NFL. And I think with the NCAA and the FBI knocking down doors on campus and, and who knows, right, what the investigation yeah. has entailed, it's too much of a distraction. You can't keep that noise out. It's too loud. And even Jim Harbaugh, who may be one of the greatest coaches at living in a bubble and, and keeping tunnel vision, he's not going to be able to keep his 18 to 24-year-olds focus in the task at hand. And then you yeah. add on that environment. You add on the, the advantage that Penn State has with a fan base who last time we were in Beaver Stadium yeah. were miserable. Like I remember shaking an Indiana fan's hand and saying, I can't believe I'm saying this for the first time. We got lucky to beat Indiana. Like you think about even the bad years, Penn State has bullied Indiana, right? And that game was way too close for comfort. And I'm looking around like, what a sigh of relief. Like we were not happy for 58 minutes. You channel that energy, you take it on the road to Maryland, you play your most complete game all year. And now you come into this, what a spot for like Penn state fans to be pissed off and like be ready. Like it couldn't have gone better from like a momentum standpoint, right. To have the low, then the high. Now you're, now you're here. Right. And we all knew Michigan was going to be nine and oh, right. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I figured they'd be number two coming in honestly, but I um, yep. guess they just don't have enough strength to schedule. But yeah, I, I think that's that what, what, yeah, what the committee is looking at. Yeah. It, it's important to talk about uh, matchups as it always is. And, and like I said, there's not too many advantages for Penn state to find here. There's a lot of, uh, you know, just not a lot of holes in Michigan. So you have to look at uh, outside and off the field and, right. and you just have to wonder, I, first of all, I don't think it'll have any impact that like, they don't have our signs. Like, that already happened with TCU, right? They got beat by TCU probably because TCU faked the signs, right? I don't think Michigan's going to lose momentum or come in lost, right? Yeah. But I do think that, like, you can you can play Purdue and you can handle Purdue through these distractions, right? Yeah. Easy. You can't do yeah. that. You, you can't do that with Penn State. And we're sitting here on Tuesday night. We don't even know, Zach, for 100% sure if Jim Harbaugh is going to be in state college on Saturday, we don't, we don't know yet. Um, that could be massive for them. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I just, I, like I said, let's delay this one to seven 30, right? Let's, let's find a way to get this one under the lights and I think we'll be all right. But yeah, that that's my take. We'll move into the final segment and continue to talk about those other factors that you mentioned. Cause like you said, there's not a lot of matchup battles. Penn state is either even, they have some slight advantages here and there, but it, it's the exterior type of stuff, the the overarching atmosphere, the impending punishment from the Big Ten, right? All of that we'll discuss in just a moment. 
Well, it's time to hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Game Time. You got to download the Game Time app because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy all of your tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater near you. You get flash deals on the last minute tickets. So not only are you getting tickets last second, you're getting deals, discounts on, on those tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets to all the all the events in your area. And my favorite feature, I've used the Game Time app. You can see where you're, you get the view from your seat. So you're not second guessing, where am I going to be sitting or what kind of view am I going to have before the event? You know firsthand when you're making that decision. Game Time is the place to get those last second deals on everything. Football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and you redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And in this final segment, let's discuss more. I, I want to get one final thought in about the defense and how you actually, like a blueprint of how you actually stop them and then what other factors are going to be involved. You laid out all of it, right? It, it's that when, when is the hammer going to come down on Michigan? When is the disciplinary disciplinary action going to happen? I hope it happens. If it does happen, I want, I want Penn State and Michigan to be at their best, okay? I, I want Penn State to prove that it is an elite team not just an elite defense, an elite team that can beat a Michigan type of team because if they're not without Harbaugh, what's the committee going to say about that? Oh, well, Penn State's win won't necessarily have an asterisk, but they won't take it into as to too much consideration. It won't hold as much value, it is my point, is because Michigan's going to be dealing with all the off-the-field stuff if that happens. So I want it to be able to bolster Penn State's resume and actually beat them. I feel like Penn State, if they are going to win in this case defensively, you need to get Chop Robinson back. Uh, he suited up against Maryland, which was a good sign, but I kind of imagined he wasn't going to play, and he ultimately ended up on the uh, inactive report. You got to get a mean Vanover back. A as important as Chop Robinson is for a team like Michigan that has run first, offensive line, best offensive line in the country for two years consecutive running, you need your edge defender, your edge setter, like Nick Tarburton was for the past couple of seasons, that's now a mean Vanover. So he's not the pass rushing type. He is the run-stopping type and forces guys to reconsider when they try to bounce it to the outside. They're going to go up the middle. Penn State's run defense and Michigan's run offense have had two different off-seasons in this case. Michigan went back to the portal to build up the offensive line, and they got two captains out of the transfer portal. I understand that. But Donovan Edwards is not himself. They're using him sparingly. I don't know if they're trying to save him for the remainder of the season. What's going on there? It's been the Blake Corum show, and he is the better running back. I thought Edwards was starting to take that mantle up towards the end, of, even before the Corum injury, uh, take that mantle up uh, down the stretch of last year. But Michigan last season was averaging six to seven yards per carry on the ground. This year, it's about four, four and a half. Okay, so that's not your traditional Michigan. And then Penn State, who would get blown up in the run game, is now holding the likes of Ohio State to 1.9 yards per carry. That let's take away the Talia Tungavaloa sacks because negative 49 is an eyesore for the rushing yards. But realistically, the running backs for Maryland had negative two. That is, Penn State got faster. 
Penn State got bigger in the interior. The whole conversation was that they're too small. Now they are they are truly built to beat Michigan. It's funny because Penn State was always beat to go up against Ohio State. But now James Franklin said, we're going to build this defense to counter what the Wolverines did. Let me ask you this, Zach, because last year, I think the schedule for Penn State is more favorable getting Michigan in this spot than last year. Yeah. With, with Michigan being a team that sides on, you know what's coming, you can't stop it. Do you think in these first nine games, they have hid things? Do you think that Jim Harbaugh and his offensive staff thinks that they need to hide things to beat Penn State? Like, what's the level? Because I sense a lack of respect after last year. Like, that that's one thing. Like, Ryan Day, I feel like, has a pretty high level of respect for Penn State's defense. And trust me, as the year goes on, he will he will get behind, you know, we were able to do this against the best defense in the country. I almost sense like a lack, especially after last year, 418 on the ground and, and seven and a half yards of carry for Michigan in this game. I mean, I didn't look at the numbers. I don't know if they they've rushed for over 400 yards again since that. Like that was their coming out party. And it, it makes me wonder if if Harbaugh and the staff looked at the schedule and said, take it easy, these first nine. Um Michigan fans would certainly kind of want you to believe that they've played it that way because a lot of the chatter right now is we don't know if they're good, right? Michigan fans would, would probably say, well, you don't know what we, we were capable of yet because we haven't unleashed it yet. Like, what do you think? I think Michigan's still a, an elite team. They're, they're a top four team, but the difference is, and this is where from like the sense of like Harbaugh hiding stuff though. Do you think that's the case? Do you think he feels like they need to do that? Or do you think they've run their offense? I mean, that's the argument that I've been making for Penn state all season long is I thought Penn state was going to unleash the secret package of not even the Bo, the Bo Prabula Drew Aller thing that we saw against Maryland. And that was strategic in the sense they wanted at, wanted that on film for Michigan to at least prepare for. I personally don't think they're going to run it. I don't think they will because it didn't look polished. If it doesn't look good against the Terrapins, you're certainly not going to run it in a game against Michigan. But I think back to, remember, I think it was the 2017 game where Penn State wins 42-10 to 10 against a bad Michigan team that year. Penn State had that little wrinkle in the offense where Trace McSorley lined up out of shotgun and then Saquon Barkley shifted over and took the direct snap. And that was one of the that was the opening touchdown of the game, oh, right? Joe Moorhead. Yeah, we love it. It was <laughs> it's it's small things like that. So I'm waiting I, because I've been beating the drum of Katron Allen and Singleton need to be on the football field together and more than just the T formation. They have to do something in 21, 22 personnel where Singleton and Allen line up to each side of Drew Aller, you fake going one way, you dump it off to Singleton in the flat, or you run the counter with Allen, who's shown that he can't be brought down unless it's by three or four other guys on the defense here. So I thought that was going to be there against Ohio State. It wasn't. I don't know if that had something to do with the fact that, well, Khalil Dinkins is banged up and Andrew Rapley is inactive. Why I, I don't know. Maybe that was just a boneheaded day for the coaching staff, right? Penn State, once again, was outcoached. So are you going to let that happen again? I think back to 2021 when Penn State should have beaten Michigan. They should have. Michigan should not have gone to the college football playoff this, that year because the Nittany Lions should have beaten them. If They, they had our signs. Come on. 
if they can Stallions those field goals, if they convert those field goals in that 2021 game, they win. That's six points that Penn State left off the board, and that was bad decisions. The fake and then Jordan Stout missing a routine, where I won't call it an easy field goal, but a routine more or less. Penn State puts up six points and beats that Michigan team. You wonder so, if that has any, like, if Kalen King has that in the back of his head. Because if I remember correctly, he was a true freshman that year, and Eric All came over the middle and he burnt mm-hmm. King. Like, I, yeah. Well, because it was well, it like was, welcome uh, to college football moment, right? Though it like, was a it was a pick play, not an intentional yeah. pick play, but one guy ran into another, and Eric all those. That's what those crossing routes are for. It's to create <laughs> all this traffic in the middle, yep. and then someone's going to run into somebody else. Sometimes it's your own player. Sometimes it's the defensive players. Your your hope is that you get a linebacker and a and a slot corner to run into each other. That's exactly what happened in that game. So you come back to Beaver Stadium. You don't have to go to Ann Arbor. I think that's a big deal. I think Penn State losing to Ohio State the way they did, even though it's a single score game, uh, you you didn't you didn't climb your mountaintop. So James Franklin's joking with everybody. It's you know just throw it deep. We can have fun with the reporters, make fun of them. I, I, I'm not I'm not here to comment on it. like oh well James Franklin should be doing that. The bottom line was Penn State was playing unserious football during an important part of the schedule because they felt good. They beat Iowa 31 to nothing. They were beaten up on inferior opponents. That's great. But Penn state was humbled against Ohio state, which was a good thing. And now it's going to be serious. We're going to see the types of discipline from Colorado when they were 24 point underdogs against TCU. That's going to be the case where Penn state is going to get up after a first, you know, first down, they're going to hand the football to the referee. It's almost going to be like a no nonsense type of thing because they were humbled. They had a reality check against Ohio state. And I think that's your biggest, like your other factor is that Penn state is going to take this seriously. Everyone was buying into the Nittany lines that they were a college football team. Oh, this is a chance to save your season. Do not fumble this twice because going into Ohio state, they didn't, I know that, well, we, you know, we take every game seriously, want to know mentality. The way you were acting off the field in press conferences, in interviews, no, you were not. This time, I, I would hope to think that they would. Yeah, I would love to, like, just be a fly on the wall in their meeting room, uh, especially Ohio State week leading into Indiana when, when James Franklin made a comment in his presser that leading up to Indiana, you know, we can't let this beat us twice. We've done like, we've had trouble with that before. As soon as I heard that, I was like, why is that a thing? Like, why do we, I know exactly. And it's like your head coach is addressing that under his watch, it's become a thing that you let a loss beat you again. And it nearly did. But Mm -hmm. I, I would think, I know James Franklin and his staff know, that you can look good in a loss and bad in a win. It certainly doesn't translate to the press conference. I bet it does translate in the building. I bet he wasn't happy after the Indiana game. And I know like he comes out and says, yeah. you come in to these pressers after a win and you feel like you lost. Like, of course he's going to say that yeah. getting back into some of the things that you were talking about with some of the wrinkles and having two backs on the field at once, certainly like the 21 and the 22 personnel looks, it's not something we've seen all that much of outside of that T formation, which mm-hmm. fun fact, Penn state leads the country in T formation touchdowns with eight and they've given out, they've only given up, they've only given up six rushing touchdowns all year. So they're actually great balance there. But yeah, if you think about that, some of like the wrinkles, like 
two things I, I don't need to see. I just I don't need to see Keandre Lambert Smith throw a pass. Uh, uh, th- th- that has happened far too often, and I got nothing against him. He's thrown touchdown passes before, but I don't need to see it against Michigan's talented defensive backs. I don't need to see – and it, you know what? It's kind of disappeared this year. Tyler Warren taking snaps as a quarterback. Remember that? Uh, you know, some fans probably forget about that little package that we had. So what's, what's the new wrinkle, right? Because Yersich has thrown him in there. You know, now it seems to be maybe the two quarterbacks on the field at once. Is that all that new? Is that something that, you know, we did that with Tommy Stevens and the lion position, obviously Moorhead's offense, very different mm-hmm. uh, than Mike Yersich, but certainly Penn State fans will be used to seeing two quarterbacks on the field at once if they decide to do that. You know, part of you wants to say, don't get cute, right? Just just play your game. But the other part of you is like, if you lose because you don't do enough of that, is, is the question to Franklin after the game going to be, Where's your creativity? Like it's that balance between don't get cute, but stay creative. And I just can't stand the sector of this fan base who will be like, run the ball. And then we run the ball and it goes for minus one. And they're like, oh, that didn't work. Stop running the ball. Like you can't act like the concept of something is wrong because it didn't work. Right. So as long as Penn State shows me enough concepts, they're, they're going to have negative plays. Right. Like mm-hmm. I know you're such he, he he's so huge about just like stay in front of the sticks and, and have positive plays and don't turn the ball over. And, and with Drew's, you know, 20 touchdown to one interception ratio, that's been huge. But like I need to see good concepts. Right. If you're going to have if you're going to have good run concept and good pass concept, I'm OK with a couple of, of sacks, a couple of negative plays. They're going to happen. You just can't have too many of them. I think that's a good stopping point. Let's wrap it up here, Matt. I, I appreciate the time. Everyone go support Matty Fresh's work. The artist behind We Run the T, Trace McSorley, Jahan Dotson, all, all those other favorite Penn State hits. Perfect for tailgates, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your music. Am I am I missing anything, Matt? No, I just want to thank everybody. For, for some reason, the Trace McSorley song has been as hot as it's been. Uh, since the resurgence in 2020, uh, we've somehow got it trending again and, and streams are up and it's an exciting time to be a Penn state football fan. We're going to be out in the yards early on Saturday morning. Like I said, no guarantee that this game actually kicks off at noon. Uh, you, you may see a delay to later at night. So get your, uh, your James Franklin said, drink your coffee, get your coffee drinking in early. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, go hit up Blue White Outfitters and buy a We Run the T-shirt. And I can't guarantee it'll get to you for game day, but you'll have it for Rutgers. You'll have it for the the Black Friday uh, showdown against Michigan State. So yeah, just uh, let, let's man. I'm I'm so ready for this one. I I'm just gonna be angry on Saturday, right? Like that, that's the mindset. We're all just gonna be angry. Let's <laughs> let's let's hope Penn State is too. In a good way, like pre-game angry, right. not post-game angry. Yeah, pre-pre-game angry, amped up. Hey, they yeah. they beat you last year. How badly on on that on that same big noon kickoff? So I hope they take that same energy. We yeah. appreciate your support here on the channel. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. I appreciate the comments. I want to do shout out those who are active in the chat. Joel Nye says this game comes down to Penn State's offense versus Michigan's defense. If the offense does not step up, it's a repeat of the OSU game. That's a great point. And then Robert says, Ole Miss guy here. You guys have got to beat Michigan, please. If they were to win the national championship, you can kiss the integrity of college football. Goodbye. Go Penn State. 
perfect comments to to finish up with here and i completely agree i think penn state is america's team going into this one because no it's kind of the same thing with the houston astros nobody likes the michigan wolverines uh, especially if they're proven to be cheating since it's still out of allegedly he's maddie fresh i'm zach seiko thanks so much for joining us on this episode of locked on nittany lines more previews of penn state versus michigan to come here on the show